Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Hot Podcast. I am your host, Christian, and here with the fantastic and fabulous Tamberlin. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the awesome intro. Also, I figured we shouldn't be telling, like, also, why do people care? But also, it's kind of weird. Like, why would I say my last name? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And like, here, here's Tamberlin. But, you know, like, why do they need to know your last name? <laughs> Slash social. Slash mailing address. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unless there's checks. You don't need to know. Look, and I can accept all checks through digital platforms. You don't have to know any personal information. Right. Today we have a very exciting episode. It is all about Karine Reutfeld, uh, the former editor-in-chief of French Vogue, or Paris Vogue. Yes. And, okay, so are we just going to get right into it? They said she was working there for 10 years and that she felt like the job was limiting mm-hmm. her creativity. She said, I think it's time to do something different. I have no problem with Jonathan and he understood me very well. I had so much freedom to do everything I wanted. I think I did a good job. Like, what? But for some context, uh, the fictitious Miranda Priestley in Devil Wears Prada, which is closely relating to Anna Wintour, the French character was, I I guess there was like rumors that it was based off of like the rivalry that they had. Oh, really? Kareen and Anna. That's what I remember hearing. And I'm sure there was, you know, it's probably like similar how we talked about last episode. If y'all haven't listened to it already, you should with Edward versus Anna. But I'm sure that there was that same kind of like, you know, animosity between the two because, you know, Anna has her like status within the fashion industry and she doesn't like it when somebody tries to encroach within that. And at the time, you know, Paris Vogue has always been killing it, but she was especially like doing a great job, Kareen. Wow. No pun intended with the animosity because it seems to go around with everybody. (laughs) Yes. My goodness. I feel like now, you know, coming off the heels of our other episode about Edward Infill and her relationship, it's like, Anna, you kind of do look like the evil stepmother at this point. Like... Or an old beauty queen, you know, like you don't want anybody else to come in and take the shine or take the spotlight from you, but you really don't have any new ideas. There's nothing groundbreaking. Like it's just more of the same kind of recycled, even maybe referencing yourself and what you've done in the past. There's no looking ahead towards the future at all. There's zero sex appeal. I feel like that's what Kareem is all about. Like where Edward is more leaning on like diversity and just overall creativity and maybe fame because he like has a lot of good relationship with stars. Yeah. Whereas Kareen was like more so it's the Parisian girl, you know, stereotypes, everything like very chic, very classy, very simple. But at the same time, very, very sexy and well put together. Mm-hmm. Whereas Anna is always given like 80 Chanel. Yes. And that that's kind of like Kareen's whole like shtick is like, you know, super sexy um, but in you know, preparation, we we both watched the Mademoiselle C. It's a documentary about Kareen getting started again, and this is like the inception of her new CR fashion book, which is her magazine. It's biannual, and it started what in 2012, and it's still going. And it's all about creativity. So she's working with like new models, photographers she's actually able to like push herself whereas you know i'm sure with the condé nast and like vogue i'm sure you're stifled because there's so much like you could only do you have to appease like 
the general masses, but also the advertisers. Yeah, I really feel like at this point in fashion and then society as a whole, too, especially because like the button has been hit as far as globalization is concerned. And maybe social media and the Internet has a lot to do with that. But the world seems a lot smaller than it did, maybe like even early 90s as, as opposed to today. So for a person or a magazine company to really put it on, oh, like you have to appease all of these people. Like, no, you don't. You're only appeasing your advertisers because people have at this point kind of seen it all. Like my grandma is 75. She knows who Cardi B is. She's very aware. Like they put this, this stuff is on daytime TV on the late night shows and all of that. So the idea that you can't kind of push the boundaries in print or certain institutions don't want you to go too far and they put it on with the public taste are it's never the case at least for me at this point in time like it's never the case it's always your advertisers don't want to be associated with these things because they don't want people in their fake outrage to you know hurt the pockets at all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we have to do everything kind of like similar to youtube monetization like we're walking a very fine line on what can be said and done and you know we can still put a spaghetti sauce ad up in between this (laughs) so true yeah, like if you are showing a little too much or even saying a little too much, strong opinions, those sort of things, like they're not as readily accepted when you're relying on a check. And at this point, Vogue, it has to be like outside companies because it's not fashion companies because they will be for anything goes. They're, like, they're the most artistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it has to be like your other advertisers. And I don't know who those people are because everything has gotten so conglomeratized like this company owns that company that owns that company so it's all babushka dolled up like we don't really know who owns what interesting that you referenced babushka because she kareen is of like russian descent like she's parisian born but her like was it ethnic background yes eastern european yeah so she's originally from paris she was born September 19th, 1954. So she is currently 68 years old. Young. (laughs) (laughs) She started out as a model and that's how she got into fashion. But also her parents were, you know, creatives. And that's how she was exposed to like art and fashion. But from being a model, she then moved into journalism and that side of it. And then eventually made her way to, I think first she was fashion editor at Vogue. And then eventually, you know, as Tamerlan said, from 2001 to 2011, she was the editor-in-chief. It's so interesting that first she was a model because, like, that's the same story with Grace Coddington. And that's kind of the story a little bit with Anna Wintour. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's, you know, what people try to kind of push that narrative a little bit. Like, oh, she was out and she was cool and, you know, being seen. So it's so interesting that model to fashion industry insider pipeline i don't feel like that happens as much anymore no because like just think at the at the end point you have to have still like journalism i don't know integrity just like the ability to write and know your fashion costume like history and you know i'm sure these ladies you know learned as much as they could on the job but there's so many more qualified people out there yes not other yes. than models. And like 
not to make this all snooty, but people that actually went to school and like were educated in these things and had a focus on these things and then don't just know it by happenstance or by being around or don't know it, no shade to bring this person up, but like a person like Alexa Chung, mm. she's the most recent model turned fashion journalist insider that I could think of. And there's like so many missteps made on her, on her behalf and probably, you know, very innocently because she did not come from that background. She was just kind of given the opportunities because she was nice and she seemed cool or she had the it girl thing going for her. Yes, totally. So it's kind of like a, like, uh, almost nepotism, I guess. So she got in, you know, because she was pretty and because she knew the people. It is really just like who you know. Eventually she did come out. I watched this like YouTube like documentary that somebody did. It was really good. But about how Alexa Chung created her Alexa Chung line. And of course, you know, you can surround yourself around with as many like credible people, but she didn't know what she was doing with as far as like who was her market and like. Eventually, she did have to fold her fashion line, but like, what does she know about fashion, like design? Yes, and like the actual business. Yes, I watched that. (gasps) It was like all hype and kind of connections that even got the line to exist. And then it was sort of like, oh, the pandemic and this and that happened. Like, no, this was never just. This was not well executed, not well thought out at all and it seemed like even in the creation the inception of the brand how they were delivering and all that it was very much so created by i hate to be this person all the time but like a rich white girl bubble like it's you Mm -hmm. and your five people that you're close to and y'all are around the same people and you do the same things and it seems like a great idea to you you did not step outside and go to a local mall or hit the street at all to see like what was really going on, what people were really buying or wearing and, and the price points for those things. You were just like, I think this is a cool idea and I think you could sell it and it would be fun. And, like people will love it. People love you. Right. And so that's how she got her start. Kareem. Very interesting. And then for a time she was over at Tom Ford with, with, uh, I mean at Gucci with Tom Ford. Yeah. Like in the nineties. So it's like peak Gucci. Well, for Tom Ford, you know, she was, I guess his muse and they worked together to create some like iconic images. There was that one that like everybody refers to where they cut out the G in the pubic hairs of the model, female model. Mm -hmm. So all their images of course were just like very sexy. They both have that same like aesthetic. So they were a good pair, but in watching the documentary, she took us through like what it took for her, like the inception of the idea to create her own magazine. Yes. And it was very intense. Yes. So much work. And then also, you know, to do the editorial, like images and getting the gowns. And of course, there's always the politics of fashion and how, like, were they going to get the clothing done? Like from the couture shows, like they had to be, they had to shoot at night. And then they also had to, at some point, they kind of had a cease and desist more so just like Condé Nast was pressuring the creatives to not work with her. That is, that was the craziest part of it to me. I'm glad you said that because it was like, she had not even released any images, but just the idea that they were like hearing about her working with certain designers or, you know, because like we said, like the politics of fashion, maybe some shady PR, like sent an email, like, Oh, you know, Kareem got X, Y, Z dress and blah, blah, blah. And Vogue is trying to kind of swat her down and kill any potential competition because like they knew it would be better. They knew it would get more hype. It would be more, I don't know, thought provoking 
than what they have going on because of that advertiser, you know, abusive relationship they're in. Right. And then it circles back because like everywhere online and of course in the documentary, they, you know, state that they amicably like divorced or like the relationship divorced, you know, Mm -hmm. but why then would they try to like blackball her if it was amicable? Makes no sense. And it further lends to the idea that like Condé Nast in Vogue is a toxic work environment. And we've heard that over the years from various people, various dissenters, but they're always labeled. But it kind of is like another fact on that checklist that, yeah, it does seem that way. Mm -mm. There's something there. Oh, my gosh. In the documentary, they're like also like another parallel. And it shows in her images. She's obsessed with birth you know this magazine is a rebirth of her and her brand Mm -hmm. but also her daughter is giving birth to her grandchild Mm -hmm. and so in all the imagery of newness it's just like uh there's a little there's a little like baby on the i guess the second cover yes and they did like a death thing like a death and rebirth theme yeah that was really cool Another interesting thing about her personal life is she's been with her husband, or not her husband, she's been with her partner, Christian Restonen, since the 70s, but they have never been married. And in the documentary, I think they have two children together. She just talked about, and he was there too, he was agreeing with her that when they first got together and like, you know, maybe started to get more serious, it was this idea that maybe they would get married, but everyone that they knew that were married seemed so miserable and like they didn't like each other and they weren't enjoying the situation. So they just stayed essentially boyfriend and girlfriend this whole time which is interesting oh she did say that she is because of her russian like background she's like super superstitious Mm -hmm. and because yeah like you said because everybody was breaking up they're like let's you know we have a good thing going here let's not ruin it by getting married so interesting interesting way to look at things i know and it's so nice that they have that like still commitment Yes. And I guess that is the takeaway from it, that it really just depends on the people and what you decide to do in your agreements and maybe like your integrity as well Mm -hmm. to just simply be together and be a family and whatever that means to you, whatever you all agreed with each other. Because, yeah, we see lavish weddings, especially among if you're going to say like that class of people, Korean and the like, especially fashion people. You know, we love an event. We love to go all out. It's like, you aren't really ever committed to the situation or the person. You weren't taking it that seriously if, you know, at at any type of slight of inconvenience or something, it's over. These people have managed to be together for several decades with no formal yeah. commitment outside of what they've agreed amongst themselves. That's really sweet. Very cute. And I can't even get a date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it has everything to do with Kareem being super sexy all the time and like always in her minimalist glam. Yes, all black. I don't know. She's just like the epitome of like Parisian chic. Yes, especially. And then you said she's 68. That blows my mind because I saw her recently out and she looks good. Yeah, right. Maybe it's the presentation, like the clothes and all of that, but she looks great. Yeah. I want to be hot when I'm old. I want to be hot now. It's summer in Texas. I'm hot. Anyway. Oh, my God. California is also experiencing some extreme heat. I believe it was 96 degrees. And mm-hmm. it's a lot for me, personally. I get uh, heat. How hot was that? 96. Okay. That's that's valid. Yeah. It's just. It was like 100. Oh, my God. It's so draining. Like, I can go outside for five, ten minutes and I can't. I don't want to do anything for the rest of the day. I want to take, like, 
a siesta. I know. Global warming. <laughs> <laughs> Which fashion is not helping at all, but but yet here we are. I know. Oh my god. So Kareem. Oh, that's like the number one thing that comes up when you Google Kareem. Like who is her husband? How old is she? And then who is Julia, her daughter? <laughs> yeah, and her daughter who went to Parsons, she ended up, you know, because of her her connections to Tom Ford and her mother, she ended up being the face of Black Orchid, um, the fragrance by Tom Ford. Yes. And speaking of fragrance, Kareen also recently put out a fragrance. Her first scent is called Seven Lovers. Oh, I didn't know that. And then she has another one that's called Kareen. And I'm like, you know, doing a little research for this episode. I'm like, maybe I need to go smell them. Like, maybe I should, I don't know. Like, I should buy one of these. Right. Fragrance is like one of those ways that you can get very wealthy. And that's a word to Paris Hilton. <laughs> it is. It's kind of like that entry point. So it's like affordable luxury. And so the masses can afford it. And because of that, of course, they're going to get rich off of it. But it then offers the masses like a touch of luxury. That's true. And especially if you think about, if you listen to this show, like, you know, if it, uh, Christian and I went to fit them together. That's how we know each other. If you think about creating a lifestyle brand and those sort of things, like that's what people cling on to. They just want to be a part of it. I remember I was doing like a research project on Tori Birch, and she said like she intentionally made something that was under fifty dollars, and it had the logo on it, like the flip flops. So anybody can get those flip flops and feel like they're associated with the brand, even though if they can't afford something else, because it's like money is money. I want to bring it all in every every price point, every budget. Right. Give me a little something without cheapening, you know, the brand. And that's how it is with like all these other like luxury labels, like the handbags, the sunglasses, uh, they're like the bread and butter that can then afford the couture, which is very expensive, but it's not bringing in. Yeah. Couture is like one piece, one of a kind. Definitely. And like, especially in our time, not a lot of people even dress up that much, even celebrities. So it's like very small customer base that you're selling that to like royalty, oligarchs, wives. So true. Did you see that one movie on Amazon and it was that lady and it was set like she's like British and somehow she like finds a way she like falls in love with a Dior dress. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. That was such a good movie. I recommend it to everybody. I love that movie. And when I was watching it, I think I watched it on the plane for the first time. And I'm like, why isn't this a whole genre? Like, I want to see more fictionalized fashion history movies right now. Make it a channel. Yes. Whereas this documentary, I didn't think it was like the best uh, fashion documentary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got enough nuggets to like then do our own research. But that movie was so entertaining. Yes, that movie was super entertaining. I would love, honestly, given the story of Kareen, I feel like it has all the elements. We have uh, a rags to riches story, her becoming a model. We have love with her uh her partner we have intrigue with the vogue situation the hiring and the in the leaving the departure mm-hmm. the cr fashion book and her and all the celebrities like her getting kim kardashian her getting different people like show us that you working with tom ford at the height of the tom ford gucci era give us a movie about that that would be interesting a dramatization better than house of gucci you know i feel like a lot of the fashion movies aren't executed well for sure and then i feel like the documentary kind of be or tried to be like a, a September issue equivalent, you know, with them, they were creating the September issue. And here we're trying to create a whole like fashion book mm-hmm. from scratch. Uh, and I feel like the September issue, it just was so much more like 
better? Well, it had way more like dynamic moving parts, people, personalities. Yeah. Mademoiselle C was just really centered around her. And although it was like a good insight, it made it kind of flat. Like, okay, this is about you. Cool. And your transition to doing this. Cool. But even throughout the documentary, like we didn't even learn everything about CR fashion book. No. Like I left even thinking, and I remember the first time I saw it, seeing it recently, like, okay, so what is this? Where do I buy it? Or what? what is it? Is it like a collector's item, like Visionaire? Is it a website? Is it supposed to be inspiration, like mood board type of thing? What is this? Because Vogue and all of the other magazines are essentially like, I don't want to call it a how-to guide, but it's, yeah, kind of like a periodical how-to guide for women. Like, oh, this is the way to do your hair for this season. These are the hot pieces. This is this, this is that. This is what even makes women gravitate to like Vogue, Cosmo. Mm-hmm. So... What what are you giving us, Kareem? Right, and they said that what they were trying to do was make us dream. So that, you know, it brought back the dream back to fashion. And their whole, like, tagline was, what was it, fashion without credits? I don't know. Also, I didn't care for Kate Upton in that, like, <laughs> what was it, the the main, like, story? Yes. And it also didn't age well. Because, I mean, it's not their part, but at some point they have Harvey Weinstein <laughs> and he's talking about how much money like they've raised at the Amphar um, Gala. And then another point they brought up Bruce Weber and I forgot what was his allegations. It was like inappropriateness with um... sexual misconduct allegations. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Serial predator. Mm hmm. Oh, him. And then, oh, was it Mar- Mario Testino? The male models came out against them. Yes. This, so. again, we got another trend because this is also the case with, uh, is it Terry Richardson that does the white? Yes. He's like pervy. Back, like, he's a perv too. And I don't know, maybe I was raised like too Christian and too, you know, strict black people. <laughs> but why would you think a photographer is not like the number one creep job? No offense, like a certain type of photography. If your style is always like, oh, I want to put you in a blank in an empty room and you got to get naked and only wear underwear. Like that seems like a creep sort of like wanted ad listing in the newspaper. For sure. What about this person doesn't seem like you don't need to keep extra eyes on them? Ugh, that's so crazy. Like Jurgen Teller is taking pictures of, of people outside and shit at the bus stop. He don't have, he's not being creepy with them. Yeah. But I also, I think we both agree on this, that we both did not care for Jurgen Teller. No, I do not like his work, but I'm just saying comparison to the style. Yes. It tells a lot about a person. <laughs> yes. Totally. This past week I was helping my um, coworker and we were shooting on location and there were two, you know, very beautiful models we were dealing with. And even like with, you know, I had everything styled out and whatever, and I don't know. It's just like, it's so weird. Uh, how would you or like the photographers not feel guilty or I don't know, discomfort? Like, like discomfort I don't know what I'm trying to say. With what? Like, what, you mean like awkward moments, like helping them change or directing them or like in what way? Let's, let's expand on this. I think I just, I don't even want to touch you because like, you know, <laughs> that's your personal space. 
see, these are assigned. I'll dictate to you. I was like, do this, move this, whatever. It's like, I'm not touching you. These are the signs of a non-creepy photographer, ladies and gentlemen. For all you guys and gals out there and non-binary folk, somebody's <laughs> like trying to feel on you and move your arm for you and be weird. Oh, I think you should get in the bathtub. Oh, I think we should pour cereal on you. You know, these weird things. You gotta have your you gotta have your antennas up. Like, okay, this is not. I understand creativity, but there are limits. You hear Christian is a very creative person. He's done a bunch of photo shoots. Very beautiful. No thanks. Not creepy at all. No weird vibes in them. (laughs) And it seems like fashion was like a breeding ground for that kind of stuff. Like very predatory behavior. Is it because everybody's like young and and hot? I was thinking about the other night, just because like especially with creatives or artists, I feel like sometimes. Do you think they like push themselves for the sake of pushing it? And then sometimes maybe like the moral compass gets lost. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Even in, maybe in the moment. And it's, it seems like this mm-hmm. is more prevalent in the male, female and then male, male dynamic. I'm sure there's a female abuser out there somewhere. Yeah. But it seems way more prevalent in the male, male and the male, female dynamic right because all the claims the alleged claims against alexander wang follow the same storyline like oh yeah oh i think you're so cute like yeah you should definitely be in it we should work together you should be in my show you should be in a campaign blah 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 and then like you end up back in his apartment or in some strange hotel room like doing something that maybe you weren't as comfortable doing but you thought like maybe you had to because you didn't want to be mean or you didn't want to lose your opportunity and blah 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 so you go along with it and then it seems like the same, that same dynamic on the female male side. Like, oh, well, he's a really big photographer. Like, I don't want to say. And like, maybe I'm not comfortable wearing this, but I'm just going to do it this time because it's Vogue or it's, you know, he has these connections and people kind of let their guard down. Right. So like that power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Weird. Just awful. And then we can't talk about it because, you know, that's not cool. That's not chic. That's not fashionable. <laughs> We can't talk about suffering. No. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know why Kareen never came out like, and maybe she did, just not in the circles that we would be aware of, like as a stylist or as a creative director for some brand. Because it seems like the whole dream that she's trying to create is like on, along the lines of a Karl Lagerfeld and what he did with his fashion show presentations. Right. So like, why wouldn't you use that effort there instead of like a book that you're going to sell twice a year? Yeah. And then she does like consulting and like styling on the side, but it would be cool to see her and like, as a fixture in that role at like a brand. But also I guess it's nice that because, because she's, you know, the stylist in her own third party, she can pull from all the brands and her dream can be that much bigger. That's true for CR fashion book. Like I'm not saying at all to do away with that. I think some of the images that have come out of it have been very, very cool. But just as you said, like being a fixture at a brand or maybe a couple like Carl did a couple. Oh, yeah. Maybe you could be doing something like that, like infusing that Parisian girl, sexy, chic, minimalist, oh, yeah. but sometimes over the top glamour style into because now it seems like they're hiring anybody. Like they're picking people up off the street. They're getting people out the back room. You yeah. know, Atelier, people are about to quit in the Atelier. Like, hey, you, you want to be in charge? Like <laughs> so-and-so just passed out from stress, you know, mental health illnesses. You want to be next? Come on, come on up here. <laughs> Yes. It doesn't seem like anybody can really handle the pressure. Like they're taking people out after one season. Mm-hmm. Seems odd. So true. Well, guys, 
I, I feel like you should Google Kareem Rockfield. If you're not familiar with her, definitely look her up because her style for me is very chef's kiss. I love it. And now that I know how old she is, I'm even more impressed because that lady does a mean size split. She always has on some sexy strappy heels. She's <laughs> always wearing mesh and see-through and lace. My goodness. She's only a few years younger than my grandma. Like I'm amazed. And to your point about like style, at one point in the documentary, they show Joseph Altazura's um like mood board and on it is like all Kareem. Like her outfits, her personal style, and even like the the dress or the outfit the she had was wearing in person in that documentary she had previously worn it that exact outfit was also on the mood board yes and that was like a little giggle i like that too and i think initially like that's what drew me to that brand when aquazura first came out i remember it was super hot the hottest item were those like pom-pom strap lacy heels mm-hmm. and i was like oh yes this is so like very simple sexy clothes like i love them of course uh the ready to wear and stuff is always very very expensive so you can't just jump up and go buy that but the accessories are like oh i can maybe i could do this it's it's sad that they kind of lost their popularity right but somebody else needs to take that up like who's doing it right now jackamus oh definitely with all those little bags yeah like jackamus is, is taking that that lane up i guess and maybe like a peter do kind of mm-hmm but where are the simple, you know, sexy clothes at? I feel like right now we either got grandma, we got a club, like erotic dancer club. <laughs> and then we just have this like boring, minimalistic science fiction clothes like from Dune or from, I don't know, like futuristic Harry Potter, what I saw on Dior this week. But like. Where are the simple yet sexy clothes? Help us out, people. <sighs> Kareem, she's amazing. I think she will go down as a style icon. It is sad that we have not seen more from her outside of CR Fashion Book. But, you know, everybody can't do everything. Everybody is not a workhorse like Carl. And every, You know, some people can't handle it. So, yeah. Look out for your next CR Fashion Book. I guess in the comments, you guys should Google CR Fashion Book and like tell us some of your favorite pictures or editorial moments from the magazine so we can have some dialogue between us. And, you know, that's it. Right. And like, where can we get it? Because like, I imagine, I'm going to go actually look and see if they have it at Barnes & Noble. Otherwise, I saw online, it's like $40 online. And then you have to wait for shipping. And I don't like waiting. Which is crazy. Like she has to make a digital version, like a subscription version. But then that's the whole point of having like, you know, the print because then you want, I don't know. I feel like it's probably a collector's item. It has right? to be. That's why I was comparing it to Visionaire. That's the only thing I can compare it to. Yeah. Like it's just this book that comes out to inspire everybody. Yeah. I guess Barnes & Noble be the only place. There are no like fashion bookstores. No. Like on the mass market. You know, there's a couple. Yeah. But yeah, guys. Let us know. Totally. Let us know your thoughts about CR Fashion Book and Kareem Rothfeld's style in the comments. Thank you for watching the show. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Text us to some people, if you will. And follow us on all the social media platforms, even threads. <laughs> are we on threads yet? <laughs> Me, you and I are on threads. You know, oh, together, yes. we are that top pause. So, yeah, follow us both. Yeah, follow us. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.